Cool, let's do it. I think we're all good. Yeah. to Movie Grouch and Fanboy Podcast. My name is Bex and I am a big old Movie Grouch. Here with me is a resident fanboy, it's Blake. Hello. Hello. You alright? Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Cool. Uh, I think we've got the dog to sleep. We've just taken him out for a nice walk. Yep. So hopefully he should be fairly snoozy. You might hear some grumbly protests in the background, so apologies. We've left him with Ike the pheasant, who can be a little bit squeaky. Yeah, he can be. Yeah. That's for sure. So if you haven't listened to us before, you're very welcome. And we are the podcast that takes a film that I, Ms. Movie Grouch, hello, has avoided uh, watching for very dubious reasons. Uh, We have a watch of the film, and then we have a chat about the film, and we record it for your... Audio. Audio pleasure, thank yeah. you. I was going to say oral pleasure then, and I was like, mm, but mm, careful <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't differentiate between the spellings, so it's a bit weird. So before we get stuck into the film that we watched this episode, we'll have a little chat about anything that we've been watching. What have you been watching, son? So I watched Chaos Walking the other night. You watched what? Chaos Walking? Chaos Walking. What is that? So Just that people is... walking chaotically. <laughs> well, yeah. <there laughs> that would be quite fun. But no, it's uh, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Oh, that's that one that you asked me if I wanted to watch yeah, and I so said no. Th- so it's set in the future. Earth has died. People colonised and we f- and we find out there's a colony where the men have got killed all the women. The men can... Or everyone's thoughts are, are heard on this planet. It's like a defect. Except for the women's, right, which is why okay. this met this men killed all this all the women off basically. Um, it's okay. It was I think the premise is better than the film. Okay. It was it was cool. The the I think the biggest issue for me was the relationship between the leads, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Just didn't really buy it. Not that it was a relationship because she came to the planet. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Didn't it, it won't be making the list. Oh, okay. That okay that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, and that's it. I've been watching Snowfall, but I've had to take a break because it's pretty heavy going. Oh, is it? Yeah. So I'm on the the new. I've got up to the new series, but I've not watched it for about a week because it's just it's quite intense. So yeah, that's it. What about you? Um, I have been taking a break from watching things. So I've started watching The Circle, the American version. That of counts the Circle. as watching things. I know, but I've like. Not seriously watch things because right. um, this is a bit of flump, isn't it? It's a bit of flump, just to kind of yeah, just for me to zone out in front of. Yeah. Uh, but I'm quite enjoying it. It's quite interesting to see how people portray themselves when social media is the only tool to interact with. Yeah. That's very interesting, um, and it's pretty funny because there's quite a few catfishes. So, catfish, catfish. Okay. <laughs> it's definitely catfish. Just definitely yeah, catfish. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like okay. tooth fry. Yeah. yeah, and poor pie. And poor pie. Which is, we all know is the plural of porpoises. Yeah. Yeah, so that's quite interesting, but that's about it, really. Cool. Although I have been listening to some really cool stuff on uh, BBC Sounds. There's some really good awesome. um, dramas and stuff out there at the moment. So Sweet. finally started listening to the Battersea Poltergeist, which is really good. It's got cool. Toby Jones and a whole load of people in it, actually. Awesome. So that's really awesome. Wicked. Very cool. I feel like I should address my literary, moviological gaffe that I made in the week. Right, okay. Uh, if you're following us on Instagram, you will have seen that I posted a story about 
the book that I am reading, which is The Fog by James Herbert. And I stupidly bought the book thinking that it was the What the John Carpenter book. No, what am I trying to say? I thought John Carpenter movie. I thought it was the book that the John Carpenter movie was based on, and it turns out I think that's an original story, original screenplay. So I was kind of reading, starting to read this book, which is actually quite cool. I'm quite enjoying it. But I was like, there's no crack in the ground. What's happening? Where's where's their lighthouse and where's the the like the weird fisherman creatures that come out of the sea? And yeah, so. That was a very silly moment. Mm. Shall we? Shall we move on? Let's do it. So the movie that we watched this episode was... Please tell us, Mr. Fanboy. It was Heat. So a group of professional bank robbers start to feel the heat. See what they did there? From police when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist. Do they leave a clue? Interesting. Let's discuss but before we do that, we do. I just do some reviews and um, some scores. So IMDb it is eight point two out of ten. All right. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, is a critic score of eighty seven percent and an audience score of ninety four percent. So again, pretty high across the board for this movie. Mm. Couple of reviews. Now this guy gave it two stars. Two stars. It's really hard to find bad reviews or anything funny about this. But you would think he would get it less than two stars from the scathing review he gave it. It's been a long time since I've seen such a kitsch, pompous film. Everything in Heat is overly dramatic to the point where it's just funny. The characters are extreme and the dialogue and confrontations are so cliché. One wonders if an angsty middle schooler wrote the script. Everything in this movie, the music, directing, cinematography, acting, seems like it was made as a contender in the category of the most overly dramatic kitsch drama. (laughs) And it certainly deserves the award. Well, thank you for that one. And then there is another one that I got that um, I quite liked, and that is... Yeah, this is the type of movie you answer in a question like, if you can only watch one movie for the rest of your life. So, yeah, let's dive into the questions. What stopped you from seeing this movie in the past? Were you I don't aware know of what it? stopped me. I knew about it. I just didn't think it was going to be my cup of tea. Okay, so what was your preconceived idea of this movie? That it would expand on... Were you... You talked about Point Break and you talked about No Country for Old Men and you said, like, you like Point Break, you like No Country for Old Men, so I think this will be be interesting to see how you respond to this. So I was expecting... I did say that, yes. I was expecting something that encompassed those sort of elements from the films that I liked. Okay, cool. Which it was. Yeah. It was a Cops and Robbers thing. Yeah. Yeah. Opening scene setups, please. Okay. What have you got to say? So the way that I do this is I Google the plot and I take it, I copy and paste it out of Wikipedia or IMDb. And then I read it through and I change it into like my own words. And interject your And I take. kind of take yeah. out the bits that I think are like either I missed or I didn't understand or I didn't get. First of all, when I pasted this into a Word document from IMDb, yeah. the plot summary was eight pages long. Right. Eight pages. Okay, yeah. What have you got it down to? A hefty 45 I mean, I've... minutes. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in for a long actually, one. I went through and I highlighted all the stuff that either I missed or I didn't understand okay. or I didn't all get. Right, cool. And a majority of this is red. That's the colour of confusion in my head. So opening scenes. So we see professional thief who is Neil McCauley, uh, played by Robert De Niro, dressed as a paramedic. 
He enters in a hospital and he's, as he's dressed as a paramedic, he's not challenged by anyone and he steals an ambulance. Oh, help yourself to my drink. We then go to a building merchants and we see Chris Shaherlis, who is Val Kilmer. He's one of Neil's team uh, and he's buying explosive charges. Ooh, danger is afoot. And then we meet uh, Vincent <laughs> Hanna. Yeah. Okay, cool. Vincent Hanna is Al Pacino. Uh, he was a robbery homicide detective for the Los Angeles Police Department. He's basically just finished shagging his wife, uh, who's called Justine. Um, she's played by Diane Verona. Uh, and he just sort of pretty much my, gets up and... My, my Verona. Sorry. <laughs> we like, my Verona. No, it's, it's one of two songs, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, he basically, like, they have a shag and he gets up and leaves work. So then, this is the first bit of the bit in red. Just after he leaves, his 15-year-old stepdaughter, Lauren, played by Natalie Portman, suffers a slight breakdown in front of her mother while she's preparing to meet her father. And the reason that that's in red is because, slight breakdown? She was quite hysterical. About her dad not showing About her dad. No, she couldn't find the barrettes to go in her hair. Oh, okay. I mean, Um, What's a, no, it's a hair slide. Cool, that's fine. It's yeah. like a that's not important like here. A bar. Let's be honest. And it clips in. It looked pretty in your hair actually. Um, <laughs> Thanks. I might get. Some. So I, I, that was weird. Like okay. suffers a slight breakdown. It's like, well, I didn't get breakdown from what she was, what was happening in that scene. But I did think her reaction was. Uh, disproportionate to the problem of not finding your hair slides. I mean, okay. if I did that every time I couldn't find my hair slides, my life really would be <laughs> my life would be one whole drama. So I guess maybe that would be a red flag. But actually, Lauren is quite a fleeting character. She doesn't really appear that much, uh, which is bizarre considering what happens to her in the arc of the film. So the same day, Neil Shaherlis and three other men: Trejo, played by Danny Trejo; Wayne Gray, played by Kevin Gage. And Michael Charetto, played by Tom Sizemore, carry out the robbery of a Gage armoured car. Neil's crew hold the security guards at gunpoint and as the guards of radio in a call for help, they have three minutes to find what they need. They've they've held up the truck to get some envelopes. So when Gray starts to get very aggressive, he pistol whips one of the guards and Shaherlis has found the envelope. Hooray! And the member begin to head back to the ambulance to escape. Wayne Gray mutters something about the guard challenging him and suddenly shoots the first guard in the face, killing him instantly. The second guard tries to reach for a revolver, but Neil shoots him dead. And then the third guard is shot dead and Neil is quite angry at Wayne Gray for shooting the first guard. Wayne Gray insisting that the man was making a move to stop them. Slightly, so we've got a slight breakdown and then Neil's a, a yeah, little angry. bit angry. Yeah. So as the crew speeds away from the scene, um, the first police cars come speeding towards the, the robbery from the other direction. So Neil's crew have laid a spike strip to slow the police cars down and as the police cars uh, near the area, Neil and his crew ditch the ambulance and climb into a nearby car. So Shaherlis sets off a bomb in the back of the ambulance that destroys the, the evidence, uh, like all their gear and their weapons. That evening, Neil meets in a parking garage with Nate, his money laundering expert, and Nate is played by John Voigt. Nate tells Neil that the envelope that they stole contains hundreds of millions in bearer bonds from a company called Malibu Equity and Investments, which is owned by a crooked entrepreneur named Roger Van Zandt, played by William Fick. Fichtner? Fichtner. Nate agrees to set up a meeting where Van Zamp will send someone with cash to exchange for the bonds. Nate tells Neil of another job offered by a man named Kelso that will bring in at least $10 million. Woo! Neil agrees to meet with Kelso, played by Tom Noonan. Nate also asks Neil what went wrong with the heist, but Neil refuses to talk about it. That I, I just didn't get. There was a lot of guff going on in that car. 
and I just was a bit like Uh, so at the scene of the heist Hannah arrives and begins investigating the vehicles left at the scene of the robbery have been identified which is the clue apparently that they they left behind at the last heist Hannah is able to recount how the heist happened accurately and he orders the team to start making inquiries so Neil's crew have made it to a truck stop diner and we are waiting for Neil to arrive Neil tells them all that Wengwe has forfeited his share of the heist because of the cop thing and he beats him briefly and full of all the other diners in the uh, in the diner. The diners in the diner, if that makes sense. Neil is nervous because of the killings of the three guards, which will warrant a deeper investigation by the LAPD's robbery homicide unit. As they all leave, Neil suddenly hits Wayne Gray and throws him to the pavement with the intention of killing him. But as Chirito spots a cop car, they stop what they're doing in the hope that they've not been noticed. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> as the car passes and while Neil looks back, Wayne Gray has vanished. They look for him, but they find no trace. Ooh. Let's stop there. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I really hated this film. I thought it was utter bollocks. And it seemed very obvious. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Not even at that point. No, I know, but I can't, I, can't, I can't sit here and record a fucking podcast pretending that I really like this film. You don't uh, have to pretend. I'm not pretending that I like this film, but I can't talk about it positively for like half an hour before we get into the bit where we find out what I think. So, okay, spoiler cool. alert, everybody, it's fucking bollocks. And I know that that's going to be a really... Stop laughing! <laughs> I know that that's Such... going to be a really contentious issue. And I know there's probably people throwing up their hands going, uh, uh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But it was shite. Utter fucking shite. It was very clear just from the eight-page plot synopsis summary. Synopsis, summary, whatever it is. Snobbery is not a word. Summary. Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know. Have I accidentally hit my head today He's and not noticed? and you can't speak. I don't know. I don't know. People love this film. People love this film. And I can't understand why. Okay. So normally we do story up and plot development yeah. through the middle and then closing scenes. Yeah. So do you want to do that or do you just want to scale it? <laughs> no, I've got like I've oh, got okay, points cool. to make. I'm not. I'm right. not like I've done my research. Right, okay, I've done cool. it properly. Just, I'm not yeah, just yeah. going to sit here going, "Oh, it's bollocks," right, okay, and I'm not going to cool. back it up. Right. There's a lot that's included that didn't have any bearing on the story, or that didn't really add anything. And I'm prepared to be told why I'm I'm wrong. I'm prepared to you know have a different opinion put across and for us to discuss this. It was very heavy on the dialogue, very heavy on the dialogue, but it wasn't always clear what was being said. For the amount of dialogue there was, it didn't seem to push the film forward that much. So I think you you could easily have made that film a lot shorter, cut out some of the scenes, and I think it would have been all the better for it. Mm-hmm. It was obviously clear that Lauren, the stepdaughter, was upset that she couldn't find her hair grips. Yeah. She appears three more times in the film. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, twice in the film. So she has three scenes altogether. Mm-hmm. One is the can't find the hair grips. Yeah. One he picks her up from school yeah. and then just at the end. Yeah. And I don't really understand what that that actually does, how that sort of ties in. I think I think it might be easier to talk about it as a whole. Um, okay. So So let's get maybe into let's push into like story the, up plot development. Yeah. So yeah, we'll sort of do this a bit differently then because yeah. it might work better. Yeah. Try to kill Wayne Gray. He's 
fucked off basically he's fucked off mate. yeah he's fucked off so he's Neil done, meets with Nate's associate Kelsey who tells him about the new potential heist and it's a branch of the Far East National Bank which collects money for distribution to its other branches so on specific days of the week the bank holds at least 10 million dollars Neil dismisses the idea thinking it would be impossible for him and the crew to rob the bank without someone setting off the alarm which would alert the police but Kelso handily happens to be a computer hacker and tells Neil that he can reprogram the alarm system to shut itself down about 15 minutes before the police arrive or before they arrive to do the do the robbery because yeah. obviously 15 minutes before the police arrive that the whole point is to not tell the police sorry uh, so Neil agrees to take the job and Nate gives him Van Zandt's contact number Neil returns to his apartment and finds Chris asleep on his living room floor after um, he's had a row with his wife played by Ashley Judd this is something we're going to come back to and they discuss the issue with Chris's marriage Neil tells Chris that they're going to get the money from Van Zant for the bearer bonds they'd stolen and they, and then they'll take Kelso's bank job. So Neil sets up arrangements to transfer the bonds. A few days after the armoured car robbery, he calls Roger Van Zant at a payphone and tells him to have one of the employees call him back with an arranged meeting point to exchange the bearer bonds for cash. One of Van Zant's bookies calls back to inform Neil that the meeting will be tomorrow at a drive-in movie theatre or the next day. Not tomorrow, because that's not real time Hannah's had a tip off from one of his informants so he goes to a club in Koreatown um, that is mentioned and he's given Chirito's name by his contact he calls his unit immediately and tells him to set up extensive surveillance on everyone Chirito associates with Yeah. because there's only one person called Chirito so it's you know they'll, yep. they'll find him pretty quick so Neil goes to the drive-in theatre to uh, make the exchange with Van Zandt the drop man arrives in a pickup truck, but there's an assassin who's also uh, with him preparing to kill Neil. Yeah. Shahalis, armed with a rifle and stationed um, on top of a rooftop, happens to be kind of watching the scene. Well, not happens to be watching the scene, but, but obviously Neil's, yeah. Neil's put in there. Yeah. Um, and tips Neil off that the assassin is, is coming. He's wearing a headset, so that's how he gets tipped off. And the next moment, kind of the next moments happen really quick. Everyone's killed in some kind of shoot-up. And then Neil later calls Van Zandt and tells him to forget about the payment and very slyly threatens to kill him. Yes. Didn't get that. that bit no, you much. didn't. You were like, what was the point of that? Yeah. And I was like, he's just told him he's going to kill him. And you're you like, didn't you... tell me that. No, you were just you, like, no, shush and watch. <laughs> no, I did. I said, yeah, no. Because you, you were like, what's the point of that phone call? And I, he's just... Because you can get... Because you can, on the end of this phone... <laughs> Dead. Are you the... all right? Listen, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> you can't get your words out. Because he says to him basically, like, the, this phone line is dead because on the it's quiet because on the end of it, it's a dead man. That's what he sort of says to oh, him. Oh, yeah, but he doesn't. Well, it's clearly a death threat, isn't it? But it, fucking just use English properly so that we all understand because otherwise, some of us sit there like, what? Okay. It was like the bloody Riddler from Batman. Bloody Riddler. <laughs> Shut up. So, uh, mm, this is this makes my head hurt. This next bit is in red. What Neil Shahelis and Chirito do not know is that in this time, Wengro has started working for Van Zant. So they don't know that the guard Wengro shot in the armoured car robbery is not Wengro's first victim. Wayne Grove's a serial killer who kills young prostitutes. Right. We'll come back to that. Okay. So later, while at a party with his fellow detectives, Hannah's called away to a motel where Wengro's victim has been found stuffed into a garbage can by a pool. And there's a genuinely horrible scene when the, the victim's mother arrives to find out that her daughter has been killed. And Hannah is actually quite nice and comforts her. 
but mm-hmm. I felt quite sad because I think you know we hear about things happening like that quite often yes and I, quite harrowing it was quite harrowing yeah. I didn't like that very much Neil and the crew in the meantime carry out a heist at a precious metals repository. Chirito and Chihirlis get access to the repository and are unaware that across the street, Hannah and the detectives and the SWAT team are watching events unfold and have a clear view of Neil standing guard. So after one of the... (laughs) I came out a bit Devonshire. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. So one of the SWAT team clank about in the shipping container, which means that Neil can hear... Neil hears the noise and is aware then that he's being watched. Um, and he orders Shaherlis and Chirito to withdraw. Hannah orders everyone to let them go as they leave with nothing. He basically kind of realises it's not yeah. worth worth the chasing rest. after. Yeah. So days later, Hannah and his team watch Neil, Shirito and Shaherlis casing a job near a shipyard. When Neil and his guys leave, Hannah and his men go to the scene and try and figure out what the next heist will be. And suddenly, Hannah realises that their casing of the area was a trick. Oh no! To get him and the detectives <laughs> out in the open. And Neil is up... Like scaled a fucking crane and has got like this super telephonic telephoto lens and he's taking pictures of uh, Hannah which is a bit weird but whatever and when Neil meets with Nate to pick up the schematics for the Kelso's bank heist Nate tells him about Hannah um, and apparently he's got a long and successful history of taking down major criminals and he admires Neil Neil decides that this heist is still worth the risk I mean this is just killing me reading this out so hannah returns to his house and finds that his wife is going out or stoned or doesn't want to talk to him fuck knows what's going on there he joins a surveillance team trailing neil on an la freeway in a helicopter of course because that's what you do when you're having marital problems hannah gets to ground and chases neil down on the freeway and invites him for a cup of coffee yeah which you know yep okay cool during their meeting hannah says that while he may not like it he will kill macaulay if needs be to prevent the latter from killing an innocent Macaulay points out the flip side by saying that he will not hesitate to kill if the cops box him in. I mean, who would fucking dare? Macaulay also explains the purpose of his 30 seconds creed, which is a total load of fucking bollocks, by saying that he never wants to go back to prison. Brilliant. Best laid plans of the thieves of the bank heist are being secretly thwarted behind the scenes by Wayne Gray. He's been laying low since Neil's attempt on his life at the truck stop, but he eventually meets Van Zandt after looking for criminal work in a biker bar after one of his prostitute killings. Wayne Gray leads Van Zandt to Trejo, who he call, who calls Neil and tells him that the police are following him. Neil tells Trejo to head in the opposite direction to throw the police off him. That bit's in red. Didn't get that. Didn't understand any of that. Couldn't even remember if that was part of the film or not. I was genuinely surprised to see that in that plot synopsis. When Neil receives the call, he, Shaherlis and Chirito are eating at a local diner and then spot an old prison friend of his behind the grill. I mean, that's a stroke of luck. Um, he's frustrated with his job as a cook because the manager's a dick. I mean, the manager was a dick. And Neil offers him the job of getaway driver for the bank heist. And Breeden, who is the cook, accepts Neil's offer straight away and quits. I think they knew he was working there. I think they probably knew he was yeah, working there Yeah, I don't think it was, well. they were just there by chance. I think but they were I looking think for another driver. I felt really they... sad. I've uh, Again, I felt really sad because that character kind of gets pulled into it. He dies later. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody. But his wife or his partner... I'm assuming it's his wife or his partner, not his parole officer or anything, um, was kind of really hoping that he'd stay out of trouble and he'd just get shot up in that fucking shit show of a bank heist. So then the bank heist happens. Neil, Neil's crew get into the bank, they steal the money and Hannah and everyone figure out that they're doing the robbing and they go after them. They almost get away but carnage breaks out, everyone's got a gun, they're all shooting shit up left, right and centre. Breeden is killed, which is sad, genuinely sad. And Shaherlis is wounded but he and Neil manage to escape. 
Shirito is killed after he takes a small child hostage. Neil takes Shahirless to a cooperative doctor named Bob, who is played by Jeremy Piven. Good spot by me. Good spot. Because I did say, is that Jeremy Piven? I know, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice. So he treats Chris's wounds. Neil arranges for Nate to pick Chris up and to keep him hidden until Neil can find another way for them to escape LA. Neil doesn't trust the out he'd already arranged and has to find a new way to leave town, which could take several hours for Nate to arrange. Chris is heavily sedated after having his wound treated, but tells Neil he won't leave without Charlene. Didn't remember that. Neil tells him to seriously consider the idea because of the high risk. Neil also tells him that he believes it was Trejo who betrayed them. Neil goes to Trejo's house with the intent to kill him, only to find he's too late. Trejo lies severely beaten and dying and his wife is already dead. In his final moments, Trejo tells Neil that Wayne Grote and Van Zandt are responsible. Trejo inquires into his wife's whereabouts and Neil informs him that she is dead. Distraught over his wife's death, and Trejo tells Neil, don't leave me like this. Respecting his final wishes, Neil kills him and goes to Van Zandt's house where Van Zandt is watching a hockey game. As he's watching, he is startled when Neil throws a patio chair through the living room window, shattering it. Well, you would, really. If I was watching a hockey game, I wouldn't expect a fucking patio chair to come through my Uh. patio window, shattering it. Right, so Neil demands to know Wengro's whereabouts. Van Zandt says he doesn't know and Neil shoots him. Meanwhile, the police have got to Charlene and her son Dominic and they've got her to a safe house. They kind of ask her to cooperate, which she agrees to. But then Chris turns up and she signals to him that he needs to go so he's not caught by the cops. Neil inadvertently breaks his 30 seconds creed by asking his new girlfriend, Edie, who's not even been mentioned so far. Uh, before they leave, Neil goes to the hotel where Wengro is being held and he kills him. To cause a distraction, he pulls the fire alarm and leaves in the melee. Hannah spots Neil leaving in the chaos and chases him. And this means that Neil has to leave Edie in the car and walks away. Hannah pursues and follows him to an airport where he eventually kills him. Oh, thank God for that. And that's okay, basically cool. the end of it. Okay, have you got anything to add to that? Because, I mean, you've oh. obviously interjected lots of your own bits in there anyway. So anything you want to expand on? I get the point break, what you were saying about point break. Yeah. There are similarities between yeah. it and point break. I think point break was a better executed film. Okay. I don't think it was as long. Oh, no, think. it's not. It's not. No. It's like an hour and I, 20. Yeah, it wasn't as gripping uh, as Point Break and No Country for Old Men visually was far superior. Okay, cool. So that's the film all in a way. <laughs> all of it. Did you have a favourite character? Yes, I did. And I'm. it's going to be Wengro. Okay. Just in te- because... So this, is a, this isn't about his character as a person, but about the actor and how it was portrayed. How it was portrayed, it yeah. was fantastic. And I really... Robbers and stuff are a bit of a weird breed, I guess, in a film. Because, like, murderers, stalkers, crazy people, you're very scared of them. Mm-hmm. Robbers, there's almost romanticising going on where they're sort of good... They're bad guys, but they're, they're doing it for, like, good reasons. Love, honour and obey. Yeah. That was very romantic yeah. view, very yeah. idealistic view. And I think the characters are quite bland. Okay. Like, Neil's crew are quite bland. Like, they're not really out and out. The only one that, that seems to be a really out and out bad guy is Chirito. Mm-hmm. I mean... Shahelis doesn't seem that nasty. He shouts at his wife, he chucks some stuff about, so you kind of get the impression that she's been knocked about, which isn't nice, but you don't see concrete evidence of that. Yeah. And Neil's just really bland. I mean, like, he's got nothing in his house. And he doesn't even stay with anybody if he th- doesn't think he can leave him in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing really much there to care about. Whereas Wayne Grow, I thought, oh, if I meet him, 
He's a scary dude. I am terrified. And what was what was incredible, although it was a really horrible scene, was where he was with the um, the young prostitute, and he was like, "Oh, you're lying to me." Just at the end of that scene, where you thought, like, "Oh, she's not gonna get out of this intact." Just the way that he contorted his face. It was if it was in a horror film, you'd think like, yeah. "Whoa, the guy's possessed." And I just thought that was really clever. Mm-hmm. And every time he popped up, I just thought, "Whoa, bad shit." He just looked like a bad dude. So he, he was my favourite character because I think there was a bit of depth there and okay. he evoked an actual response in me, whereas everybody else was just a bit, eh. So I, I, I know what you mean, but again, I think there's intent there because, okay, although, although Neil ends up dying in the end yep. and Sherlis gets away, yeah, the best criminals are the ones you don't know criminals that are very, don't give much away. Oh, like Thomas Crown. You don't just suspect the people. Whereas, like, Wayne Grave, clearly a criminal. Yeah, but he's like... Yeah, no, but do, do, do you know what I mean? So I think I, it's, I, I think it's I on purpose. Think, yeah, but I don't think... You're you're not... There's no... Oh, are they? Aren't they? Oh, are they involved in that? Oh, did he really do no, that? No, because you know... Because from the you know, off, so we you know they're criminals. You don't get the chance. You don't, so you don't get the chance for the best criminals or the ones that you don't know are criminals because there, there's none of those people Oh, in no, the my point is more that, like, that is how the best criminals are the ones you necessarily don't know in criminals in real life and in movies. Yeah. You know? But those characters aren't... On in this film. Okay, cool, fair enough. Um, I would argue those you, characters aren't. Did you have a worse film. character? The female characters were awful, and okay. I didn't particularly like the male characters. I feel like a lot of guys would be bigging up this film. Right. Okay. I think I think it's a real bros, bromance right, okay. film. Right. <laughs> Why are you pulling Nothing. that face? <laughs> no, I just think a lot of guys because I think there's a lot of. From a female point of view, there's not an awful lot there to like. I mean, the the female characters were really terrible. So they were either there to have sex with, distract the men from their job or their role, talking about their emotions, have a breakdown or be emotional. They're shown in the case of his wife to be devious because she shagged somebody else. And it was, the whole film felt like a love letter to just dudes being dudes. Okay. There were slow-mo shots of big moments for the characters when they're like shooting or they're having to make like his emotional decision you know and it's like oh god just enough already when he meets Edie she talks to him about her ancestors and about when they moved from like the old country or something in the 1700s what guy on her first date wants to hear about that ridiculous she doesn't find anything out about him in response so we don't find out what they do and these are women that these men are potentially risking everything for and I just I'm like well they just look like nags and harpies that were just slowing them down. And I think actually, if you were going to make that film, if it was a love letter of to, to dudes being dudes, take the women out of it. Okay. Yeah. And be unashamedly like this is about the battle between these two guys, between yeah. like the guy that's doing the good and the friendship and the you know the similarities that they have and things you know all that sort of stuff when she rang neil or neil rang her after they after um Edie and he had slept together and she was like oh i was worried you wouldn't call and it's like don't don't say that to a guy when he rings even if you were worried that he wouldn't call just tell him you've been really busy forget his name call him by another guy's name that's how you play it play that cool. is how you do play it cool, sister it's true but that's how you do it you don't sit there going like oh well it's been five days and i've been waiting by the phone and well i had to go out and get some ice cream because i was so depressed that you hadn't run you don't tell them that shit even if that's what's happened he stayed he he, oh 
God. So she, he was like, it's 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 not a one night thing. They, so they agreed that, and then he just fucked off and left her in the end. It was like, well, I'm exhausted talking about this. Cool. Is it over yet? No. See, so all of the women was your worst character. It just yeah, the wife, and even the stepdaughter. She basically attempts suicide, which is horrific. Now I didn't get from her spinning out about her barrettes to then her ringing Hannah to go and pick her up because her dad hasn't showed to then attempting suicide they are the three they are the three scenes that she's in yeah like that's a big leap from i can't find my barrettes so and suicide. from the from the reaction that she had i was like whoa maybe i thought she's got a fraught relationship with her dad it's obviously important to her that she looks perfect or that she looks well presented so that she feels like she's presenting the best version of her to her dad yeah. And I thought that's going to be expanded on. And it yeah. wasn't. Okay, cool. All we heard about was that she just had issues because like, the dad didn't want to be around. Did you have a favourite scene? Yeah. So as awful as it was, it was the scene where Wayne Gray was about to kill the prostitute. Okay. Which you really get a sense of how evil he is. And I think Kevin Gage played that character really well. He reminded me of like Peter Sarsgaard vibes. Like okay. Peter Sarsgaard always sort of plays kind of quite weird, quirky roles. Quite well, yeah. And he always always plays an asshole really yeah. well. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of him. Awesome. Did you have a worst scene? Yes. So I think the shootout after the heist was ridiculous. Okay, that's really interesting. Val Kilmer, at one point, ran across the road. Everybody, all of a sudden, seemed to have a gun and was shooting left, right and centre. So how he didn't get shot while he was out in open country, I will never know. And they've got, like, all this fucking money. They've got, like, 10 million dollars worth of money cash in bags in bags on their backs mm. so that's really realistic ditch the money and then run around like twat shooting okay, everybody cool. so that shootout yes. is regarded as like the most realistic shootout that's ever been recorded on in a film even today i think it's still up there they've also used it to teach how like uh, like people in training how to retreat from a gunfight like trait like, like as in like the army or police or whatever. What the fuck have I missed watching <laughs> yeah, this film? Yeah, I don't I, like. What I was like, it was just ridiculous. Like it is like regarded as like oh this is one of the great the most realistic gun shootouts ever because it's like so close to how it actually happens when there's bank robberies actually going on in America and stuff that happen like this. I, I'm no expert. This is just what has been said about that scene in particular. So interesting that you thought it was naff. You know, the, not to say that you're wrong. It's your opinion, but it's just really interesting. I'm that you've seen really it. concerned for my mental health at yeah, this point I am in now. time. Cool. So... <laughs> Right, let's I think I might be having quickly, a slight breakdown. Um, scoring soundtrack. I mean, oh, it's fucking awful. Okay, cool, brilliant. <laughs> leave that there. We'll no, but that. it was. No, because really... I would like to. I think we. I need to speak at some point. Oh, all right. And that's not a dig. That was just like I need. I feel like this film needs some defence. It was. It was pretty awful. Shite though. Like nineties. Nineties. Yeah, nineties standard. Yeah. Fairly backgroundy, but. Yeah. Corny in places. Yeah, well. it was. It so was. Not, it's nothing particularly, to about. particularly the scenes with the, like, where there was any kind of emotional. Yeah. yeah any yeah, kind yeah. of emotion. Yeah, it was no, like a Kenny right. G yeah. sax. Yeah, it was stuff. really, yeah, it was pretty Done bad. really badly. Not a lot, not gonna lie. Okay, so let's, right, directors are right. So Michael Mann, high, like, quite a revered director, done some really cool stuff. Um, so he did Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that one. 
There's another of his films on the list, which is, which is Collateral. Oh, Christ, that's got Tom Cruise in Tom it. Tom Cruise, oh, yeah. Oh, God. He made Ali with Will Smith. It. Oh, okay. I would have assumed you'd seen that. I would no. not put that up then. Um, Public Enemies about um, John Dillinger, who was a bank robber during the... That thirties um, in America during the Prohibition era. Okay. Was seen as an anti-hero. Quite yeah. a good, good film actually. I like his films. I do. Yeah, I like Michael Mann. So yeah, I mean, he did make One Man with Ice, which was one of the worst films I've ever seen. I was so fucking boring. So yeah, um, have you got a fact? About I've got two facts. Did you know that? Director Christopher Nolan screened Heat for the cast and crew before the start of shooting on The Dark Knight. Yeah. Presumably to say, this is the fucking film I don't want to make. No. Let's make the opposite no, of this no, film. No, no, no. I believe that because tonally, in The Dark Knight, he wanted a similar oh, yeah. feel. So if you look at the cinematography, the sound, the, dark, yeah. the sound, it's really similar to Heat. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll give you that. There's tones that are so similar. Yeah, and then in the episode of, no, in the episode of Peep Show entitled Burgling, while watching a boring play, Jeremy says, I've got heat on DVD at home. We're watching this when, for less money, we could be watching Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. So then Jeremy and Mark then decide to pretend they're watching heat instead. Brilliant. That's fucking cool. But I, I picked the Dark Knight one over that because I thought, oh, you, you'll know that. Yeah. Well, you'll never yeah, yeah. Him, I so. think, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why he did it, but I'm assuming for Tainal. Yeah. Um, did you fall asleep? No, but I bet you could have. The only reason that I didn't fall asleep during the first watching was because I'd had a little bit too much wine. Right. Okay. Cool. I mean, which might be why I didn't really understand the first half. Yeah. The first half. Yeah. No, that's fine. But I, I would like to point out that again, no, I'll stop talking. You speak. Um. So right. Next question. Are your prejudgments correct? Yes and no. It was no, no country for old men, even though I didn't like the ending of that. And it was about cops and robbers. Okay, cool. Right then, so re final thoughts. Are we not doing rewatchability? No, we'll do that after. Oh, okay. Well, that's not my final thoughts then, is it? It's just some thoughts. (laughs) Because it's not the end. No, but you know, final, come on. No, but this is where I get to speak. (laughs) Okay, well you speak then. No, you go first, just... little summary okay. you don't have so, to go long because you've hated a lot let me get let me get some words not words I've so spoken I do, enough I think it's a 90s thing so this is what I think I think that a lot in terms of female characters and feminism and and time's up and all the rest of it and Black Lives Matter I think that's pushed the narrative and filmmaking further and I think when you look back at some films in the 90s, you look at Friends now, that's dated really badly and some of the jokes and everything in there are just, you, you wouldn't, they wouldn't be made in society now. Well, not by decent, nice people. And I, I wonder whether it is just a time shift and actually back in the 90s, they were the kind of characters and the kind of stories that people wanted to see. And I think the sound, I just couldn't hear it properly. I mean, it might be that I'm just old as fuck, I don't know. But it felt like I was supposed to know what was going on without knowing very much, without very much being said, which was ironic, given that there was a lot of dialogue. Uh, wouldn't watch again. Sad face is what I've put out there with my final thoughts. Cool, thanks. And now I'm being quiet. Hey, I haven't even drunk either. Like, normally we have like a beer or a wine on the go. Yeah. I haven't even drunk. I'm on like fizzy water. Go, speak. So everything that you dislike about this film, I love. <laughs> so the heavy dialogue, the slow, 
layout of it all, the action scenes, I fucking love it. Like the I, I'm I'm gutted that I didn't know about this film. Well, I would have been. I think I don't know if it's a fifteen or an eighteen, but I wish I'd seen this in the cinema. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. I like this is. I, I, this is great cinema for me. Like this is everything that I look for, and okay. it's it's fucking brilliant. It's the only time. It's the first time that we'd seen Pacino and De Niro in the same scene together. Film. Yeah. Yeah. In any film, because yeah. in Godfather Two, because of the, the timeline, yeah. they they're not on the screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene, that diner scene, they never rehearsed. So Michael Mann, Pacino, and De Niro all agreed that should just be shot. And done on first go, and it was. Okay. And that's think, pretty cool. I that's think that's like the impressive. best scene in the film. I think it is brilliant. I yeah. I I there are things wrong in this film as it's twenty five years old, twenty six years old for sure. Yeah. But I I I fucking love it. Good dialogue. I think it's well written. I think the action scenes are brilliant. The bad guys I think are bad enough. You know the bank robbers. They fucking mm. don't give a shit. They kill people like it's. It, but bank. It, it, it does everything that I want in a movie. Bank robbers aren't real criminals, are they? Because they're just stealing from Maybe fat so. cats. Maybe so. Doesn't really matter. But it like it's just yeah. So your your dislike, capitalism. your dislike, I like. <laughs> well, quite simply, I think it is. I'm sure, we can do something with that. Great film. It, it's not aged a hundred. It's not no. aged brilliantly. It has aged well for me. I think you can forgive a film not aging well if it's a good film. Why am I reacting so strongly to this? I really love No Country for Old Men because it's a similar kind of premise. It's the same sort yeah. of thing. I, you know. So this is what I think. Like this is why I went for Heat next because I was like, right, you like Point Break, mm-hmm. you like Country for Old Men. And I think tonally there's elements of both, and that's why I was like, this might be the balance maker. With No Country for Old Men, without the way that the Coens shot that film, so the cinematography yeah. and the I don't want to use artiness, but. They, like that's the fact that some of the shots were really artistic. If you're not a hundred percent mad about the storyline or characters, at least then you've got something amazing to look at yeah, and think, okay. "Whoa, no, okay, that's, that's cool. really great." And a lot of the shots, I think there were some shots that were supposed to do something for me by the way that right. they were set up. Yeah, and I could kind of think like, "Oh, okay, I can see that some people might find this a great shot, or they might be like, "Whoa, that's amazing." way to represent that situation but it didn't it just didn't do anything it's interesting because like for me i think what this film does really well is show like a pretty grimy side of la without it being set in a grimy environment if you know what i mean Mm. yeah like with gotham like for example with gotham city you get the impression that everything is infected yeah and i think whereas this was pretty grimy, but you but saw you know, regular folk going about their yeah, business. And all yeah, the and I think it. It, that, yeah. that time, I think it finds that balance quite well. But thank you for taking part in watching it. I, I like it's, it's fun to see your take because like it doesn't matter if you hate it and everyone else loves it. It's the, the fact is like that's what makes this podcast fun. I'm not trying. Yeah. We're not trying to change your mind. Like no. I just think I hope for people that this is entertaining. Like hearing you rant and like adding those little things of like whoopee, like the sarcasm. I think this is what makes the podcast worthwhile and worth doing. And like, I don't care if you come out loving a film that I love or thinking this is a classic. I do. do you know what I mean, like, it's really fun and like, it's really worthwhile. I do really want, I really hope that there is a film on the well, list. Well, next one will be it. That I am like, 
Okay, this is this has got me. It's worth pointing out as well that a lot of the grumbles that I have are they sound like side, side grumbles. So it's it's things like the character of the stepdaughter, and I'm focusing on the female characters. You know, I know, They're all I know part of the film. they are all part of the film. But you know? for me, I don't. And this was the thing: is like I didn't really think that De Niro or Pacino delivered in that movie. Okay, let's move on. I, I think it's very clever that that scene you're talking about in the coffee shop. A great idea, I think. And and, and knowing things a lot, like a that, a lot of the scenes work. Say, like Hank Azari, who played what's her face, Professor Frink, Charlie's love affair. Yeah. Right. He said a lot of the scene, his his scene with Al Pacino, the bits in that were weren't in the script, and they kept them and stuff. So it's really interesting. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> rewatchability. Would you watch it again? No. I would um, actively avoid it. Okay, cool. Scrap a ten, please. One. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, cool. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, I cool. just, like, I, I, there are people going to be, scr- well, the one person that we don't know that listens to this, they're probably going to be screaming at their podcast. What the fuck? Yeah. But I cool. just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, I really was watching it and I was watching Robert De Niro and I was watching Al Pacino and I was like, what am I missing here? Because yeah. these guys know their shit. That's you know they're 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 giving it beans in a lot of stuff. They're great in the Godfather. I'm really excited to see Godfather two when that comes up. Yeah. And I'm just like, what am I missing? So I mean, like maybe I am having a slight breakdown. Okay, cool. That's fine. Maybe. Um. So yeah. So what are we watching next? Well, my score out of ten. Oh, sorry. Because I, I do give it a score. <laughs> yeah, you do. Sometimes um, you do. I What's can't quite give it a nine. Okay. But it's also not like it's better than an eight. Okay. So it's like an eight point five for me. Like it's not nearly even a nine. Than like not like an eight point eight or something. No, because it's like the age of it. Sort of, it maybe is a bit too long. Couple yeah. of things, but overall, I do adore this film. So did we watch the director's cut? Yes. Yeah. Um, what are we doing next? What are we watching next? So it's not a classic. Okay. It's not super old. Yeah. It's really fun. If you don't like it, you're dead inside. <laughs> but we're going to watch Chef. Okay. With John Favre. Oh, but right, okay. Well, already I, th- I think I might like this. It's it's just a lovely movie. It's just it's one of those films that is just nice. It's just a nice movie. Like it's just made to make you feel happy. And nice. I think we need this after he. Yes, that's my thinking. <laughs> I was like, we'll sort of readjust the balance. We'll just find a nice film that we can sort of laugh at and enjoy and then we'll go back to we'll one have of the, a nice, your big hitter a yeah nice, it's just a lovely movie nice happy podcast yeah. episode next yeah, time yeah that's my thinking because it, it wasn't going to be that depending on how this went but because it was sort of like quite not because <laughs> it's so like scaly I was like we've got to sort of make people smile with some niceness so yeah we'll how, go with Chef like what did you think I was how did you think I was going to react did you think I, I was going to like the it thing, the problem is you give it away whilst watching the film I know, I, I couldn't you, fucking you hold need that to, in for like, three hours. You, you need to... I knew how this was going to go, because I can see your face, I can see your face. You need to not try and give it as much away during the watch. Okay. If you can. At I least need a poker tend, face. Yeah. Like, if you need to get something out, go to the toilet and be like... <laughs> and then come back. Do you know what I mean? Go angry and be pissed weeing. Off angry in the toilet or something, yeah. This is going to be an epic edit. This is going to be an epic, epic edit. And I'm, oh God, I'm sorry. So yeah, that's been heat. Thanks guys. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. We hope you're okay. Um, We hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Uh, And we'll catch you.
see you on the flippity flip. Lovely. Bye. Bye. Information reminding the synopsis first. Um, Do we ever get this right, ever, every, any episode? This is the type of this is this is kind of this is a, this is why I picked it because I it is possible. Well, why you got pictures of Oz looking like a zebra or a donkey? This is <laughs> an audio phone. podcast, so let's not talk no, about okay. pictures. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just noticed you literally look like a donkey, like he's got a really long face. And the, the oh, I fucked that up. That evening, Neil meets in a parking garage with Nate, played by John Voight. Nate tells Neil that the envelope they stole control... Oh, fuck, I can't speak today. I'm going to do that again. So that evening, Neil meets in a parking garage. Maybe I need a drink. Nate tells Neil that the envelope they stole control... Controls. (laughs) Eight fucking pages of guff about the bloody plot i mean i just wanted a summary but it literally how it didn't tell me when robert de niro and al pacino stopped for a shit during filming it was that detailed potatoes (laughs) just randomly potatoes what neil shahalis and chirito do not realize is that in this time wengro has started to work for robert van zandt I mean, I didn't know. Richard Van Zandt, what was his name? Robert. I'm just thinking of, like, Robber. Robber. <laughs> what the fuck? fuck? No. This is going to be the best podcast I'm thinking of Rob Van Damme. That's what I'm thinking of. He's, He's Rob Rog- Van Damme. He's a wrestler. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Roger. Do they need more cooking? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Your turn. Potatoes. Sorry, I'm putting in the wrong passcode now for the iPads. I'm... Do you know what? Sorry. This might be the first time that somebody's had a breakdown on... <laughs> On a podcast. podcast. It won't be. (laughs)